I've had too much wine. I can't. I can't knock. Can't knock. Well, can't knock. Too much wine. Right. You keep a knocking, but you, okay. Come on in. Now you're already there, aren't you? Ring, oh. ring, doorbell, ring, baby. Come on in. Wait a minute. We just, that's how we started last week. That was I guess. last week. I, guess. Oh my. I better not do that again. That was a terrible earworm, too. Oh, my God. I couldn't get that thing oh, out of my head. Terrible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm going to try to never do something like that to you. <laughs> well, but I won't. I won't stop doing it to you because I love doing that to people. But uh, Hanky today was, I don't remember who he was ragging on that he said, well, he, he quoted a song I'm not going to quote right now because it'll be the new earworm. Okay. And that thing is still stuck in my head. Damn it. <laughs> well, I wish you were on the porch with us because it's cool and beautiful. Leaves are falling down. It is beautiful. A little bit of rain. Yep. Just tiny little bit of rain where you're not even sure if that was rain or not. That kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm sitting I've been going from front porch to right beside these windows, these three windows. That's where I am now. And oh, I'm nice. looking out and I'm looking up at the trees and the breeze and all of that. And it's very nice. I love this weather. I love it. The humidity is low, but we've still got a little tiny bit of rain and uh, it's yeah. beautiful. And Perfect the temperature is just right. So it is. I did go in when I went in to get more wine before we started. <laughs> and I put on my jacket in case it got cold while we were recording. I wouldn't have to stop and go, I'm cold, Alicia. I got to go in and put on some kind of coat. <laughs> and the, yeah, you know, I didn't do that since I'm inside, but it, it I would have done it if I had been out there. This is the yeah, kind of weather it's getting to be. Know. Fuzzy sock weather and, you know, blanket weather and all of that. I love it. I love it so Wearing much. Wearing pants outside weather. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's not go crazy there about wearing pants. <laughs> this is so weird to me because normally I am doing this Zoom because, y'all, we're Zooming today because it's very late in the day. They got away with me. I was having such a good time. And. So I'm just sitting in the rocking chair, rocking and holding my phone and talking. And I've never done it like this before. So <laughs> after y'all heard all that weird stuff last week, you're going to be hearing creak, 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 creak while well, I'm rocking. <laughs> and where I'm sitting is catty corner to this front porch I was talking about. And when the wind goes, there's a wind chime that you can hear. But it's not it's, it's a it's not like a bell. It's like a clang that of a more rough metal kind of clang not a pretty bell but a clang is it like an ask not no let's see do, what is it do not ask for whom the bell tolls yeah. it tolls for thee it tolls for thee my father <laughs> used to get corporate gifts every year at christmas from the construction company that he worked for and every year it'd be like a jar with jelly in it and a in a book so he got the complete works of uh shakespeare and then he got one that was uh masterpieces in literature and that was on the front of it <laughs> masterpieces in i love but those books i've still got I them to, i still look I at them to be the pompous bitch that every time a baby was born i uh -huh. would give it a complete 
Shakespeare, the Riverside edition of the complete Shakespeare. It's like, here's your baby gift. And people are like, what the oh, hell? Oh, you were that one. <laughs> I was that one. I was that person. That's cool. I used well, to give. I thought, um, I thought it was. I used to give. Uh, what did they call those things? Uh, U.S. savings bonds. To well, do they still do that? I haven't done it in a long time, but but they used. I would imagine so. Of course, that would assume that you have enough confidence in your government to think that it'll pay you back in 20 years. (laughs) (laughs) So it was a while back when I was doing that, you know. (laughs) Good Lord. Well, that's a a good gift. The savings? Yeah. If I put the money that I spent on a damn Riverside Shakespeare in a bond, (laughs) that might have been helpful. Is it a you know ten pound book? I I don't know. It just seemed to me like something to do because I didn't have a lot of money, and I could go and buy a hundred dollar bond for what twenty bucks or something. Yeah, you know, yeah. and and so it was a way to me. It was a way to stretch my money or make it look like I had more than I had. I guess I don't know, but but I, I really did like the idea of it. I would think that. I remember when I gave one to my nephew, I was thinking, well, he'll be 21 years old. I wonder if we'll still be hanging out. (laughs) (laughs) Is that your nephew that works with Dolly? Yeah. Well, it was both of them, actually. Yeah. Aw. Yeah. But my nephew works for Dolly at Dollywood. He works for Dolly. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I wonder if he'll get a last year. They gave him a turkey. Just like that's an old fashioned thing that companies used to do. And mm-hmm. I I was surprised that it happened uh, when he had this turkey. So he provided the Thanksgiving turkey for the family. Boy, um, that was That does feel very kind of old fashioned. It does. I love it. Yeah. I love that thought. Like you work at the plant and mm-hmm. instead of getting paid what you ought to be paid, but we're going to give you a ham at Easter and a turkey <laughs> at Christmas. Well, not that that was always fair, but I remember it. Me too. Uh, just like dad's little jelly jars and stuff like that. Uh, here you go, country boys. Here's you some boysenberry jelly and a, and a big <laughs> ch- and a, a book on Shakespeare. Enjoy. Mm. <laughs> you had to quit school when you were 15 to take care of your family, but by God, That's here's right. the complete works of Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah. Well, frankly, I'd rather have that on my table, you know. That, ha- but anyway, I love Poe. He was creepy and weird and fascinating to read. And sad, you know. You see photos of him, and he he just looks sad. He looks haunted. He looks like a sad little nerd that nobody ever liked very much. Yeah, like he, yeah. he looks like he got picked on. Oh, I'm, yeah, he does. That's that's an interesting way to put it. But you're right. He looks like he got picked on. He was. Hey, he was catch a nerd to know a nerd. Was he the one that? How tell me how Poe died? Oh, you remember? Like if I knew. Okay. Uh, the most exciting scenario is that he had um, rabies. Okay, that's what I had heard with Christopher Marlowe. You know, he was supposed to be this brilliant, bisexual, amazing uh, writer. And he got killed, he got stabbed in a barroom brawl. Mm. Mm. 
interesting. I, I tell you, it's dangerous being a writer. Y'all ought to send your prayers to protect me because it's dangerous. The good ones are tortured. You know, they, yeah. they have some, I, something in their I'm life. not a good one, so I ain't tortured. <laughs> That's it. Okay. I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to answer that because. I, I just backed you right into the corner, didn't I? It was no. like I did everything, but I did everything but say, hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. I'm prepared to die. <laughs> yes, you did. You got me on that. You waited till I was sitting around listening to the breeze and relaxed <laughs> and full of some Indian food and not expecting it. Wow. Wow. <laughs> God. <laughs> well, y'all, we did do our pre-show today. Yes, as we always do, we mm -hmm. talked about some of the things we want to talk about. So we want to fill your heads, your poor little pumpkin heads, with some uh, thoughts about death and dying and sowing and all that and more. Yeah, yeah, we can say that. We were, you were going to talk about washing the body. Yes. So tell us what, what, explain the tradition first of all, and then would you tell me why it's still important? Yes, I would be. I would love to do that. And I talked to a good friend of mine a couple of weeks ago about that doing the transition from the person who is dying to after the person has died to the funeral and all that has to be done then because it's really it's a lot of stuff. But if you think back to the time, and it's not that long ago. It's within living memory for some people. Yeah. When people died at home and all that stuff was taken care of at home. Yeah. So now, um, now if somebody dies, the probably the first thing you do is you call 911 or maybe you call their personal physician. If it's, you know, if it's a situation where you've been sitting vigil with somebody and they, and they die, you probably are going to call either their doctor or 911 or whatever to verify that the person is dead because sometimes people are unsure about that. But, right. I mean, how do I, how do I know that she's not sleeping and just not breathing very deep? And yeah, that's legitimate. It is. So you're going to bring in a professional of some kind to pronounce the death. But back in the day, you know, grandma was living out her last good days in the back room and, you know, she had some soup every once in a while or a little sip of coffee or something. And then she just slowly went downhill, and then there came the time when she was dead. And you might have just, you know, tucked up the covers a little bit, closed her mouth, and and let her be for a little while, just to be sure. Because I bet you are more versed than I am about that whole Victorian thing of people being afraid they'd be buried alive. Yeah, well, and there'd people be like were. A, a, a bell above the above the uh, the grave, grave. so yeah. just in case people I'm were still alive, I can ring the bell. Yeah, no, they, they were. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes on purpose too. But yeah, I believe oh, that they, they would put a mirror up against your up under your nose. Yes, they did it. to see if it if you fogged the mirror with your breath. Yep. And you know, and they would listen for your heartbeat and all that stuff. There's a lot of screaming happening because the young'uns are playing next door. Oh. So I'm hoping that's going to come across as spooky 
spooky ghosts who don't yeah. want us to talk about death. <laughs> uh, well, instead of screaming children enjoying a beautiful autumn day. Well, you anyway. know, I think the, the ghosts wouldn't mind talking about death because it's no challenge to them anymore. <laughs> That's right. They might even have some information for us. I don't know. They might. Anyway, so then you would prepare the body instead of it going to, you know, your fa- your your family funeral home. Like most of us, if our family is in the same place for any length of time, they've got a family funeral home. The one yeah, that the well, family always uses. So in the case of my mother's family, they used one out in West Asheville. And my father's family used one out in West Asheville, kind of across the street from the other one. So that would be so, Grove, Gro- Gross would be one yep. of them? Okay. Yep. I forget the name of the other one. That's, my, that's where my mother's family is buried. The other one is Anders Rice. Uh, that's right, Anders Rice. My father's family always got buried from Anders Rice. Anyway, so the the body goes from the hospital to the funeral home, and they do all the cleaning and you know all and and beautifying and all that stuff. But back in the day when people died at home, that was the the obligation of family members, right? And it was often the eldest daughter of the family who took care of that. And there is something so profoundly beautiful about that that I, I can't I'm gonna tear up about it. But I I was I was blessed to be able to do that for my grandmother. And wow. she had died in a hospital she died in the hospital. And they sent me because they weren't sure, you know. Yeah. I had set up a little altar for her in her room where I would do my prayers. And it was, you know, it was like a feather and a tea light and a beautiful piece of fabric. It was the kind of altar I would set up. Yeah. And so they weren't they weren't sure what to do with me. So they sent me when they pronounced her death. They sent me a nun, and the nun because I was, because it was an altar. So I must I must have been Catholic. So they, they sent me a nun, and it was a woman I had done some interfaith work with. Um, and she said, what can I? And she went, oh, it's you. What can I do for you? I, my condolences, all that stuff. I said, I would love a cup of strong black tea. And I would like to have permission to to clean her body and get it ready. And she said, well, what a strange notion. Nobody here does that. And she is a Mexican-American. Okay. So it was something that her culture still readily does. It's not yes, been dropped out. So I got to do that for her. and there. It was so holy and so sacred to do that as a kind of final loving gift that I gave to my grandmother. And um, and I mean, it was it was ucky a little bit. I mean, she was old. She was very old. So there wasn't a whole lot of, you know, stuff that came out of her. But I had they brought me some, um, you know, baby wipes. And I cleaned her bottom and I cleaned her front and and then I just took some clean wipes and just cleaned her face and her hands and her feet. You know, just cleaned her up and and uh, it was just it was a privilege to do it. And I just want to encourage people. Um, I know for some people it just feels kind of weird and they're squeamish about it, but it really is a beautiful thing to do. It really is. Yeah. And, yeah. That's all. That's all I want to say. That's it. Well, you know, even if you do not do that, there's other things that you can do that, like, you can talk to them 
while you're Absolutely. getting out their favorite clothes and you can tell them what the plans are going to be and how you want things handled. And, you know, you can you can do that at the very least. You can sit there and communicate with them. Most everybody has got something that they'd like to say to somebody that they've never said. Well, now's the time yeah. to do it. That would be the that's time a, to do it. Well, that's a good can, point. They can still hear you. You know, the sense of hearing is the very last physical sense to go. And you can you can still hear for 24 hours, up, maybe a little more than that. After well, there, there's, an under, there's an understanding in many cultures that it takes the soul up to three days to leave the body. When it is I, one of those slow deaths. I'm I'm not sure that I just I think I might agree with that. I believe I do agree with that. You know, and we see a lot of uh, trauma death is a different thing. You know, if mm -hmm. you if your death is violent and your body is torn or burned or whatever. Yes, that is, that is different. It is a different thing. But when the process is natural. Then, like the one that you described in the beginning, the word that I was thinking was transition. It's yeah. she just she started out eating a little food in the back room and maybe the occasional drink, and then it got less and less, and eventually she was sleeping more and more, and soon she transitioned over to that other side. That's and right. it was a smooth thing. It's kind of like when you fall asleep, it can be smooth, but many deaths are not like that anymore and i feel like that's a privileged kind of death and if you yeah. have someone who's transitioning and you know it's happening then uh, you can do things that will make it easier and better and more correct for all of you if you want to absolutely uh, and that is one of the i mean i recommend hospice and palliative care to people all the time who mm -hmm. have a loved one that go oh no no I can take care of my loved one through the end and yes yes no doubt you can I I would never doubt that about about anyone but if you are fortunate to have a good hospice center and your beloved can go into there for palliative care that staff will not only take care of your beloved but they'll take care of the whole family yeah, so they, that you they can understand be, it. Yeah, and you can be present then with mm -hmm. your beloved mm -hmm. while that transition happens and not be the person worrying about, oh, no, should I make some soup or should I, what should I do now and who do I need to, they will take care of all that at a good hospice center. Yeah, they will. They most certainly will. And, and you know, I guess care partners is what they're called now in this area. I don't know. They, there's also a way to keep your loved one at home and have professionals come in. Oh, absolutely. So they don't have to go into a hospital setting, mm -hmm. what is, and, which, you know, for a lot of people feels um, unholy. How's that? Yeah. Well, you know what I've noticed, uh, at least around the people that I've watched this happen to, is that there comes a time when they, they don't want to go because they don't want to give up their stuff. They want to be in the place that they're familiar with. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And sometimes it's the stuff and sometimes it's just they're private people and they want to be home. It doesn't feel yeah. right for them to go somewhere else. But yeah. but it is what it is, as as my grandma would say. 
and the the I think that the end, if the way that you can act with them, as if you know, with respect and just trying to understand what they're going through, is as important as anything. My dad Absolutely. wanted to die in the house, and he did. He died on the couch in the living room, and that's where he wanted to die. <laughs> That's his yeah. place because, you know, and I thought about it. He'd watch many ball games on that couch you know? <laughs> and and he was he slept there. He liked it there. That's where he was comfortable. And so, you know, that's where he finally died. And it was it was the right place. It was my my and I, I'm glad that he had the care that he did. And I understand that not every family has a luxury of being a family with nurses. Oh, well, yeah, that is, that is a mm -hmm. point. Cause your mother is such a remarkable nurse. She is. Um, but yeah. Not everybody has that. And you know, if you are, well, if you are a couple and you're tending um, one of the other of your parents and you're working full time, you really, mm -hmm. you don't have the luxury of being able to just, take time off for work there's some people do do that mm -hmm. you know yeah. they just go um my mom was in her last in her final illness and i'm taking a leave of absence and some people some they work for places where that's okay mm -hmm. i'm gonna stop and say how much of that can you hear i can hear a little bit of it they are right up against the fence squealing and kicking balls i've got some noise going on around here too could you hear it no i can't uh, hear anything okay I've had some crows come up and a loud car with some music and stuff, but no, it's okay. And right. they only add to it because every now and then you can just hear a little tiny scream in the background. <laughs> it must be somebody's birthday is all I can figure because there's like, I think five or six kids over there. Oh yeah. And they're sure. running it up and down and playing with balls and yeah, it's um, a birthday or something. They, but yeah. They're having a good time. It's fine. It really is fine. Um, all right. So the other thing is the getting it out of your system thing where you say what you want to say. I, I yes. believe and let's go back to that, that they can hear for at least 24 hours yeah. after yeah. and the soul. Let's go back and talk more, a little bit more about that. Well, this, okay. well, science has been able to prove conclusively that when you pass away, if unless unless you're in an unnatural situation when you pass away that your senses just slowly shut down so a lot of people will not eat when this has happened they won't eat for days and maybe they won't drink for days they're not in pain from that mm -mm. okay it's a natural process the body understands what's going on and they're not in pain and that's good to know um and uh, you know i don't know what to say about the whole uh, giving people sedatives and pain medicines as they die. I've got opinions and stuff, but I just don't feel qualified to have a big talk about it. But mm -hmm. uh, the senses go in a certain order. And I believe that your eyesight is one of the first things to go. And, uh, but the sense of hearing and the sense of touch is there. Uh, they are two mm -hmm. of the longer lasting senses. And so you can be, officially in air quotes dead mm -hmm. but your body can still hear that's why i have specific instructions 
about my death and the way I want to be handled after I die. Yeah, I don't want some disrespectful punks up there saying something or trying to goof around and maybe sending me to the afterworld with my last thing I ever hear, some stupid thing. Right. You know? <laughs> you know. But You're I know it about your boobs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um so that that's just one thing that I've spent some time thinking about that. And then I have to admit that I just think it's the right time because think about it. Do you know anybody who has all their issues resolved with their parents? Oh, Lord, no. No. And most people have unresolved issues with most everybody that they know. <laughs> so you can, you know, get your cathartic relief, get your closure at that time. And it's also the time when you can be, um, you can do the right thing. And be proud of the way you act towards someone and the way that you're sending them off, depending on yeah. your philosophy or your religion. Wait, your spiritual belief. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, you know, you you have a lot. You have a very important position in someone's life and death. If you're there at that moment, you have a very important position. Yes. So a lot of times you'll be struck with grief and not able to do anything and i'm not judging no but if you are able you you do have the ability i think to send someone off and tell them just say you've been loved and look and you've lived a really good life and we look forward to talking to you soon when yep. the time is right but you've got other things to tend to now and and we want you, you know, you can say whatever you need to say to them. Uh, but just we'll be and we'll be loving you mm -hmm. wherever you are. Mm -hmm. So I'll bet yeah. when you were with your grandma, that that was a time when you said some things and you're glad you said them. You don't have to tell us what that is. But I'll bet it was important. Absolutely. I said some things to her. I recited some poetry to her. Mm. I sang to her. I did all that stuff. Yeah. Because we were really, really close. Yeah. Yeah, you were. You sure were. Mm -hmm. so, so, I and I think that's so lovely. I really do. And that's how come when you see evidence around you that she's, she's there, mm -hmm. that it doesn't scare you at all. No. Oh, Lord, no. Uh-uh, absolutely not. And me neither when I see it. Thanks for listening to the show. And now, for your listening pleasure, here's a vintage episode that has the gals talking about the spirits living in the little house on Weird Mountain and their effect on unaware visitors. The lesson here is make sure you have permission for stepping foot on Weird Mountain. Just ask the groundhog if you can find him. <laughs> Good evening, and welcome to Weird Mountain, where the men are tough and the sheep are scared. 
I'm Gomez the yard man. While the gals are busy doing whatever it is witches do this time of year, I thought I'd take a moment to let you know how much we all appreciate you listening to the show. Thanks for tuning in. I also wanted to let you know that things can sometimes get a little strange up on Weird Mountain. Especially this time of year, the veil, she's very thin. What you're about to hear are stories. But are they just stories? The gals say no. Decide for yourself. But don't say I didn't warn you. <laughs> so, Miss Byron. Hey. Hey, I want to ask you a question. Ask away. Well, I wanted to know. I know some stories about the things that have gone on at the cottage. And I've witnessed quite a few things since I've been over there, living there and staying there so much. But I was wondering if you had a story about the cottage that you haven't told me yet. Well, I don't know. I mean, my my experiences there have been so comfortable for the most part that I think sometimes I don't realize when she's there and when she's not there because I think she's there all the time. Uh, and by she, you're talking about Miss Revis. Mm-hmm. Other things that I've noticed about there that you've pointed out to me, like the money, the money that shows up. Funny, isn't it? That is so weird. I think that's cool. So you might want to tell everybody else about it. Well, money shows up at the house in in odd and obvious places. So that, uh, well, I remember cleaning out that front bedroom and I swept, you know, got everything off the floor. I swept it good. Then I got out the sponge mop to give it a good mopping. And I had moved the bed over a little bit. You know, I was cleaning the floors in that room. And I swept it and I came back. And there was a couple of pennies on the floor. And there weren't pennies. You know, it wasn't like I had a penny jar somewhere and it fell over. So I just, I didn't think another thing of it. Picked them up, put them on the dresser, I guess. Went back, got my water, my uh, my mop bucket, and the mop, and came in there, and there was two more pennies, not quite the same place, but close to it. And I was like, well, what is going on? So I pick up those two pennies, and I just think, you are not, you're not paying attention. You know, I always point it back at me. You are just not paying attention. And what have you got pennies in your pocket? So I'm sticking my hands in my pockets to see. So I, so I mopped the whole place. I mopped myself out of the room so I'm not walking over my nice, right. clean floor. Right. And then I go rinse out the mop and throw the mop water in the backyard. You know, all that stuff you do. And then I went in maybe, I don't know, 10 minutes later and just peeked in the door to see if it was drying okay. And darn, if there wasn't not only a penny, but there's a penny and a shiny dime over by the bed. <laughs> I was like... I know I just mopped over there. So it's not like I mopped over that stuff. And I mean, that's just one example. Every time I turn around out there, 
I can I can clear off that big old table in the dining room. Yeah. Like I'm gonna put a new tablecloth on it or something, clear it all off, move all that stuff down into that middle room, the office room, and then come back out and there'll be there'll be a coin on the table. <laughs> and then I'll take it and put because you know we got two jars of money that we just keep filling up from her. Going into three now. Is it three? It's going to three, yep. <laughs> and the last time I changed the tablecloth on there, which was a few weeks ago, um, I took off that tablecloth y'all had put on that was so pretty and put on a different one because I didn't want, you know, I didn't want to mess up your tablecloth. <clears throat> anyway, I changed it. And darn if they won three pennies in the middle of it when <laughs> I came back in the room. So that's her thing. And and I, I am a person who, if I know a spirit... I will feed I will feed her or him alcohol. Now, if I don't know him, I won't. I'll give him some nice good coffee or a cup of tea. But um, I I every time I clean out the altars there and add the add a little something for for the goddesses and a little something here, I will pour her a little glass of some sweet liqueur because mm-hmm. we've got that uh, elderflower liqueur, right. yeah. And I will leave her just a little bitty cup of that. So I don't know if she just gets giddy and she starts dropping coins out of her pocket. I don't know what she does, but it's sweet. I've never, ever felt threatened. You know, the one time I heard her voice, um, I mean, her voice after she was deceased. I heard her voice plenty of times when I went by to pick up the rent when she lived there. But um, it didn't feel threatening at all or it just felt relieved. Yeah. Glad to be home. And so I'm glad to have her there. But you had that fella come and was scared in the backyard and didn't want to be in the house because there's witches displayed or whatever that all mess was. Well, that was a fella who he didn't know. He had no idea that that we were not, you know, that we he had no idea of who we were, how I should put that. And he came over there. And he was wandering around the backyard with permission while we were talking, we being my friend and I and my other friend. And he came back in and he was just notably upset. They left real soon afterwards. And we found out later that it was because he got a distinct feeling that he shouldn't be there and that it was a bad place. And the way that he justified that was by saying that there were no living animals. He couldn't see anything alive on the property and that he saw a crow and that the crow just avoided the, or a bird, excuse me. And the bird was flying and it avoided our property line. And uh, I thought that was kind of interesting because there's so, so many animals there and it just feels like the property did not welcome him, but you can definitely tell that property has a personality. Oh yeah. No question. Oh yeah. And you telling the story about the coins, I always associate that with taking care of the property. So when you're cleaning or something, then it's like she shows her pleasure at that by here's some coins. And Mm -hmm. I want to tell you a story. You may not, I don't, I'm pretty sure I did tell you this, but it's been some years ago. And well, tell it again. Well, I was there. My friend and I were there at the cottage and uh, my friend was at one end of the house and I was at the other in the kitchen and I was trying to clean up some stuff in the kitchen or somewhere. And I'd been looking for a washcloth. This would have been back when I first started coming over there and I didn't know where anything was. 
And I looked everywhere for a darn washcloth so that I could do some cleaning, could not find a washcloth anywhere. And I hollered for my friend and I said, do you do you have any idea where a washcloth might be? And my friend comes out and, you know, is looking all around and stands about three feet away from me and we're talking to each other and we both noticed at the same time that a perfectly folded washcloth was in the floor between us. <laughs> now, how that had happened is beyond me because it's not like I hadn't walked right through that path, you know, several times looking for a washcloth. So <laughs> I was just being assisted in my desire to clean, I guess. Yeah, you made you made it manifest. Here it is. <laughs> I don't know if it was me or not, but it, I think that it was the spirit of the house was helping me out. Oh. Uh-huh. 